Welcome to the Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast. Every week, we discuss a movie, and then one of us suggests the next movie for us to watch and discuss. All the movies are available from the major streaming services so that you can participate right along with us. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I am joined this time by Alicia Walker. Hello. Nathan McKinney. Hi there. And Aaron Caldwell. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about Aaron's suggestion. It was Possessor, which follows an agent who works for a secretive organization that uses brain implant technology to inhabit other people's bodies, ultimately driving them to commit assassinations for high-paying clients. Uh, and uh, one, one, of my, uh, one of my early comments on it was, oh, it's a present day dystopia as opposed to a future dystopia like this sort of thing just seems like straight up science fiction because it's almost believably true so um it doesn't help that i was helping a healthcare professional navigate healthcare related things today (laughs) to put me in that mindset but um first we're going to talk about uh Recent watches, recent things that we watched and recommended. Um, we, the four of us, happened to have gotten together to see uh, some movies this past weekend, and I wanted to bring up Rock and Roll Nightmare, which I had not seen before. Uh, I had seen the Red Letter Media uh, Best of the Worst episode where they talk about it, and it looked amazing, uh, but it didn't look like a movie that I needed to own. And I was looking around on riff tracks cause I like to watch those when I have some downtime or when I'm working on my own riff writing process, it kind of gets me into the mood to listen to other people doing it. Uh, and I found it there and I mainly wanted to use the opportunity to tell people about, Rift Tracks's new-ish subscription service called Rift Tracks Friends, which is uh, a five or six dollar a month uh, subscription that you buy from Rift Tracks, and then they make a portion of their catalog available to stream from them uh, with that subscription. So you're basically buying access to, let's say, 25% or 30% of their catalog. Um, You can watch it and then decide to buy it and add it to your library. Or you can watch it and say, that's enough of that. I don't need that again. And it's all fine. Um, The only limitation of uh, watching a, a movie that's in the friends library when you're a friend is that you can't download a copy and own it. So you can't like rip it or, or make it part of your ongoing library, but it's, it's essentially the same thing as, um, you know, like an Amazon or a Netflix where you can always stream it, but can only download under the right circumstances and the right circumstances for riff tracks is by buying the riff, which if you only buy, a riff or you know if you, if you buy 12 riffs a year and that's all friends isn't worth it for you but if you want to watch more riff tracks it's definitely a good way to go out and discover stuff because a lot of the stuff that they have in riff tracks friends are movies you've never heard of and wouldn't enjoy watching without riff tracks anyway so i um, support this specifically for rock and roll nightmare that Final battle. Mm-hmm. Oh man. It was it was just so good. Every the- puppet, every death, <laughs> every attempt at some kind of special effect was just so inept that it was hysterical. I was dying. <laughs> I, was I was just dying. sad to was- see he didn't duke it out with the uh the four penis Muppets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I I had assumed from watching the the red letter media thing. And uh, it's been a while since I watched this. I'm sure they talked about 
the the puppets and the special effects and stuff. But the thing I most remember and the thing I most thought would be interesting about it was uh, how bad John Micklethor's acting would be. But uh, no, that is not the most not inept the part thing. of the movie. No, the the twist just kept coming. It was so good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Nathan, how about you? Uh, I managed to pick up and watch a movie that maybe one of the best ones I've seen in a year or two. Um, it's the second by the same director I've watched before. I had already watched Diabolique by uh, Henri Georges Clouseau, and it's it's it, he it by itself he already feels like the French uh, Hitchcock. Yeah. Um, so I watched The Wages of Fear this last week, and I gotta tell you, it was fan freaking tastic. Um, it clocks in at about two fifteen or two two hours and fifteen minutes, um, but they're pretty riveting, especially the the back end of it. Um, it takes about I'll just I'll just give a heads up to anybody watching it. It takes about 35, 40 minutes before the actual plot really starts to reveal itself in the movie. But the um, the groundwork that's laid up front is in, just as entertaining to watch. But man, it's great. It's basically about. Um, uh, it's kind of a Casablanca type situation town in Mexico where you can get there, but you can't hardly get away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in order to get paid because there's no jobs, there's, there's no food. It's just kind of like a dead end town uh, in all, more ways than one. Uh, but there's one thing going on in town and that is all the oil wells that are being uh, dug by the Americans. Mm-hmm. And there's a situation where there's an explosion and, in another town and they need to get all this uh, nitroglycerin across to the other town about a hundred miles away uh-huh. or 200 miles away. And uh, the only way they can do it is on this bumpy ass road with these trucks. And so they hire all the, they, they do a hiring process and pick four of the poorest people in town to take all this nitroglycerin across town. It's amazing. Sounds totally really good. Yeah. Uh, where did you watch that? Well, we bought it off of um, Criterion, but I think it might be available on HBO Go okay. or HBO Max or whatever they're calling it these days. Yeah. Um, but if it's not, I mean, honestly, go buy it. It's it's entertaining. It's it's as good as any Hitchcock movie I've ever seen. What, if that what was it called? Tells you something. What's that? What was it called? Oh, uh, the, the wages, wages of, of fear. The wages of fear. Cool. Uh, yeah, that sounds good. Were there any uh, any special features with the Criterion version that you checked out? Uh, you know, I didn't get too into that. I it was already too. In, I I've been trying to uh, do this year in November what I did last year for horror, um, which is to watch as many um, uh, film noirs mm. uh, this month as I can, and so. For the most part, unless I've got a really slow day, I, I pretty much can just watch the movie. But this but one was totally worth sitting through. Did I have I brought up the idea in here of doing a Coen Brothers month, kind of like we did for David Fincher? Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, might need to might need to do that. Maybe that's uh, fun. Maybe in December we'll we'll plan on that, and I'll pull you guys for. Uh, know uh for movies that they've done that are great that not everyone knows about or has seen you know yeah like we would i you know and and maybe just one of their great movies whether that's great and well-known uh movies like fargo or no country for old men or something like that sure yeah alicia how about you Well, uh, I was playing catch up on a lot of TV shows and series that are streaming right now, but I decided to try a new one I saw on the Netflix top 10, which was Monsters Inside, 24 Faces of Billy Milligan. So it is about... Oh yeah, um, I watched that. Oh yeah. So it is uh, like kind of a true crime thing and it's about, uh, it starts out talking about 
some crimes that have been happening on an Ohio uh, college campus, some rapes that had happened there, and they seemed to pretty easily catch their man who was responsible, but then it became more complicated when um, psychiatric evaluations came to the conclusion that Billy Milligan had multiple personalities, as it was known as uh, at the time. So mm. uh, at the time, they diagnosed about 10. Uh, later, some other people came in and thought maybe he had some more dormant, hiding, I guess you could describe it, personalities, and he might have had up to 24. But uh, one of the main psychiatrists they brought in was a psychiatrist who had worked with Sybil, so it, you know, here it just seems like it's going to be kind of a open shut true crime and let's all be fascinated by the dissociative uh, personality disorder person. But um, as it goes through, it starts to question and some of the other people, the law enforcement officers working on the case as well, started to question if it really was somebody who had uh, multiple personalities or if it was just Billy Mulligan taking advantage of the the hype and the fascination with multiple personalities after all the stuff with Sybil and everybody to wanting to quickly a jail sentence. Yeah. And everybody just quickly diagnosing that. And, uh, and so then it kind of goes through the rest of his life and the problems he had. What I thought was extra interesting is there were a lot of interviews with his family, his siblings, uh, lots of looks into his past. I mean, he definitely had, a not great childhood, uh, which you could see how maybe you'd have some personality splintering from that. But uh, I don't know if they ever really definitively say he did or they didn't. They just kind of show the different viewpoints and talk about what else he did in the rest of his life. And he had some other things happen after he was just, um, I guess, sentenced to being in a mental institution for a while uh, for the rape crime. So he was involved in some other things. And but uh, from what I could tell, never, you know, really served a significant amount of time for any crime that that he he did. He they think he did some other things that they didn't really find him guilty for. But it yeah. was kind of interesting as they painted the portrait of the guy, and you know, it kind of made you wind through the wind down the road of you know trying to figure out this man and was it faking it? Was it you know? he really had some some mental problems maybe that severe so it was pretty good and it and it was a quick watch which was kind of nice too right on yeah i think it's interesting how uh how the health profession and the psychology profession look at mental illness and they come up with new words to describe the same diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So what common culture knows is multiple personality disorder. Um, you'll hear like psychologists say that that doesn't exist, but that what the current thing that they diagnose with people that have that particular kind of compartmentalization and, and have different, center stage people that can take over the spotlight or, or help them manage different situations. Um, they call it DID or dissociative identity disorder. So it, it's interesting. Like there, there's nothing wrong with him being diagnosed with multiple personalities. Cause at the time that's what they called it. And now it's DID and they have, different criteria based on research to prove whether someone actually has it or if they're faking it. Mm -hmm. um, and so the science keeps evolving and the terminology keeps evolving, but it's just more understanding of the same, the same kind of mental illness. Yeah, so. it was interesting. I would say it's worth a watch. Uh, Aaron, how about you? Uh, so recently, I, man, I had to hanker in for old school cinema, and I so I pulled out one of my. So favorites. you watched The Matrix? I, I did. It was so long <laughs> ago. We're already getting like a reboot slash. Sequel. <coughs> uh, so now I pulled out one of my all time favorite films, nineteen uh, fifties film called Sunset Boulevard. Uh, well, yeah. just <laughs> awesome, awesome story about the dark side of Hollywood and, you know, fading from the limelight. And 
Gosh, I mean, this this movie was nominated for a billion awards and won a few of them, and it, it, it was just so good, and the cast was fantastic. You had William Holden, Gloria Swanson, you even had, like, Buster Keaton in a in a cameo appearance like you, mm-hmm. you can't ask for more in this but if you really want a dark story man it it gets super dark and the ending is just so good so many people have remade that story under different names trying to like use the success and notoriety of that film to get ahead. Uh, none more famous or more pitiful than the room. God, the, the room was heavily like the script for the room was heavily influenced by sunset Boulevard. <laughs> we, so, we just watched Tommy, the premiere for curb your enthusiasm not long ago. And the opening scene were like high sunset Boulevard. Cause somebody's floating in the pool. Yeah, uh, complete with oh, noir yeah. music and everything. Yeah. Was this the new season premiere or the? Yeah, yeah, this is the new season. Yeah, I haven't seen yeah. any of it yet. I'm excited to. Like, to to see Gloria Swanson after all of the horrible things that she did in this movie, coming down the steps to all the paparazzi just going off, and and you don't know if it's all in her head or if they're the paparazzi are actually there taking photos. You know, if they are there, they're. They're there for a much darker reason, but her saying that you know uh, I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. Demille, is just oh, it, it's one of the best endings in movies. Um, so I watched that recently, and if you have, uh, if you have not seen this film, please go watch it. It is so good. Yeah, most definitely. Did you uh, did you own your copy or did you watch I, it somewhere? I do I do own the copy. Uh, does it have any special features or commentaries or something? You know, I'm sure it does, but I I haven't watched any. I probably should. I'm doing myself a disservice. Uh, but Sunset Boulevard is available on Prime Video and Paramount Plus. Yeah, so. I need I need to borrow your. Uh, your DVD or your Blu-ray sometime so I can get this, get a look at those special features. Cause yeah, I've seen it plenty of times, but I, I had to invest it in a copy of it for the extras. Okay. Yeah. All about extras. So, well, um, speaking of extras, uh, it was Aaron's turn to pick a movie this week and we watched possessor uh had anyone seen it besides Aaron? Nope. Okay. Nathan, let's start with you. What did you think? Possessor. So I'll start by saying I'm not sure what the relationship between the director here and um the more famous uh Father and Son. David Father and Son. Son. Okay, Cronenberg. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree for me. I think mm-hmm. um, David Cronenberg. I'm sorry, David. Is it yeah. David? Okay, this is this, this is what happens when I don't dad, have my the dad notes in front is, of me. David is the dad. Brandon. That's what I thought. Okay, okay. This is Bri- Brian. David Cronenberg. I mean, Brandon. He's a lot more subtle, um, which is saying that's a pretty high bar i guess i would say yeah i mean it's pretty yeah being more subtle than david cronenberg is yeah pretty much every other movie so i mean and some of that's just the you know the restrictions he probably has from whatever studios he's working Mm -hmm. with or trying to get whatever ratings he's trying to get but i just i mean this so there's so much cool stuff about this movie i i enjoyed it way more than i thought i would but um I almost wanted to have a barf bag next to me for all the gore. <laughs> I mean, it was way over the top unnecessary uh, for me. I, and I know I sound like an old freaking man when I say that, um, but it was just way too much gore for me. Like, and I, I specifically have challenges when there are things with eyeballs, teeth and mm-hmm. fingers. And we got all three in the same freaking movie 
and they were all totally unnecessary for me to understand the stress of this situation. Yeah. Um, I thought uh, the acting was good all around. Um, I thought the direction was generally really good, but I can't recommend this to anyone unless they are just jonesing <laughs> for seeing some freaking gore. And, and it's not even silly gore. It's like cringeworthy... Oh, I think I just crapped my pants watching this core. Yeah, it's interesting. So. Uh, it's, you know, it's, uh, it'd be interesting to know whether the gore was there to satisfy fans of, of horror movies that would probably be the, the main audience the movie was kind of swinging for. Yeah. Um, whereas the rest of the movie is more of a, uh, psychological drama, psychological horror. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I wonder if that was in there because the, the scares kind of aren't. So let's make the gore, the thing that's stand out about the horror in it. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed all the little parts and pieces when she's having her little mind trips and like the, the melting skin thing that was kind of happening, which was not so much gory as it was just kind of gooey and weird. It was in a good way. I I thought all that was pretty great. Um, But the, just the actual like hacking off of things and the multiple stabbings where the camera is pretty much right there with the knife the whole time. Mm -hmm. I carumba. I mean, it was just crazy. I will say one last thing is that, I, I called it the moment I saw Sean Bean. I was like, he's going to die. He's going to die in this film. And I feel so bad for he this poor guy. But, but he didn't. He, 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 he oh, that's right. He got his, he got away. But, he's in a lot of pain. Though. But he sure got his butt kicked. Yeah. Um, I just feel bad for that guy. He always dies in everything. Alicia, how about you? Uh, I don't know if I can add too much to what Nathan said. I was thinking the same thing. There were stuff I really, really liked about this movie, in particular those visual, you know, kind of things, either symbolic of what was happening with the process of possessing someone or mentally kind of what she's thinking of, you know, as she has little flashes and things like that. To me, that was the best part of the movie. I mean, I like really liked the scenario. I loved uh, Jennifer Jason Lee in this, uh, getting to see her. I, I mm-hmm. just, I'm just delighted whenever she pops up anymore. Um, so I really liked the premise of things. I, I, but it, that's what would take me out of it is when suddenly somebody's teeth got bashed in or even just the inserting of that need the, you know, like when they cut the hole in the head, I think they've just purposely chosen the parts of the body that make me squirm the most, you know, and that's probably the goal. So just seeing, you know, them like pulling out a little plug and then inserting stuff in someone's skull. I'm like, okay, okay. That was I get it. That's good. Yep, we're there. We've possessed someone. Great. Move on. So um, <laughs> that that was just a little tough for me, but I thought it was kind of a cool idea of how they they did stuff and you know trying to figure out what what is she dealing with after doing this so many times working for this company uh, that she you know can't follow protocol anymore and and kill herself at, after doing the assassination stuff like that so i mean it's it's a definitely a different spin on some movies uh we've seen before with you know an assassin maybe starting to question things or that you know i i was kind of thinking about the movie seconds we watched with rock hudson a little mm-hmm. bit for some of this also it was kind of reminiscent of some stuff in that which i thought was really cool um so yeah i mean not a happy ending Lots of bodies racked up, you know, kind of unnecessarily, but, you know, so is John Wick. So, you know, I can't really totally fault (laughs) it for that because that's kind of the point of that. So, yeah, I think uh, there was so much I liked, but in the end, I just didn't feel great about it just because of those, you know, seeing the fingers chopped off and some of that stuff and just the random shooting of people limping away. You know, and I was kind of like when he shot the... When she's, and forgive me on the character names, but when the main assassin is encompassing the body of the guy who's Colin, I think, Colin Tate. His name is Colin and her name is Taya. Okay, so when 
when she as Colin shoots the girlfriend, daughter of Sean Bean, like limping away, I was like, what? what's the point of that? I mean, the whole point is you're pinning this assassination on somebody that's not you. Uh, so what does it matter if somebody gets away and identifies Colin Tate as the killer? Because Colin Tate's going to be dead. So I don't know. Some of that I was like, I don't know. Is that just because... She's kind of going crazy and mentally unstable and what's happening. And so I'm just going to get rid of everybody, you know, and Colin Tate is getting back into, you know, man with two brains and coming back in the picture. And so then he's involved in some of the stuff. I don't know that part. I think it was a little tougher for me also, but overall I thought it was kind of an interesting movie and one I probably wouldn't have, you know, figured out on my own to watch, which was great. Right on. Yeah. I, uh, I feel like I need to watch the movie again with Hannah uh, because I think she would be really fascinated by the sort of metaphorical psychotherapy, um, sci-fi medical care aspects of it. And um, Hannah has, similar to me, only recently come to appreciate horror at all. It's something that she avoided as a kid and didn't seek out on her own. Um, but where, um, where, where you guys were saying that, uh, that the movie's gore was a problem for you. I also learned very quickly in our relationship that there's, there's no such thing as too much gore for Hannah. She sees the real <laughs> thing every day and it's uh, made for her. <laughs> she doesn't, it doesn't bother her in the slightest. So, it would have yeah. probably freaked her out more if it was just a psychological thriller. One last thing, too, I just want to add that we mm-hmm. had discussed when we were watching. How cool is the table that she's strapped down to that's got, like, the the psychiatry chaise coming off of it for Jennifer Jason Lee? Like, yeah. We were super loving that. Aaron, did that remind you of anything? Uh, man, it, it, it brought me back to... The uh, space jockey from Alien. Okay. Um, I'm thinking video game. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh... It reminded me of the Animus from Assassin's Creed. I can see that. Definitely what she was strapped into is very much Animus. Not so much the psychologist's couch coming off of it, but yeah. That very much had uh, Assassin's Creed. Um, well, honestly, it was very much Assassin's Creed to begin with because it's an assassin jumping into bodies. Yeah, uh, so for those that don't know the plot of the Assassin's Creed games, um, you know, they've, they established in the first game back in 2006, 2007, um, that the conceit of the game is it's... Uh, an action adventure story based game, but the sort of present day book ending of that story is that um, a shady company has figured out how to make a machine that will let you relive the lives of your ancestors through DNA. And so they strap you into a machine like that and then you become one of your ancestors and what the evil company isn't telling people is that they are selecting people on purpose because they're ancestors of like great thinkers of the past and people who were aware of these like sacred artifacts that the company is trying to track down and locate and use for their own purposes. And so there's the assassins, which is the group that the player plays in most of the games who are about preserving that truth. And they're sort of descended from, uh, descended from sort of a grassroots bourgeoisie kind of mindset. And then the people that make the animus are part of a company called Abstergo which is the modern day uh, evolution of the Knights Templar uh, who kept all the secrets of 
holy relics in Christianity. So it's it's a whole lot of lore coming at you always. Yeah, especially the first two or three games has tons of history built into it, and it's like the game at its best is like virtual tourism and virtual time travel because you're like there's games where one of the people that you talk to regularly and do missions for is Leonardo da Vinci or some great thinker like that. You know, there's, it's one, funny. Set, there's one set during the revolutionary war where like you meet George Washington and other, you know, founding fathers, early colonial Americans. So, the the newer versions of the game series actually have a a uh, kind of museum mode where you can go in and just visit ancient times. Mm-hmm. So, it's it's really interesting how things have evolved. Yeah, so um, to finish my thoughts on it, uh, you know, I, I I liked it overall. I think I need to give it another another watch to get more out of it. Um, to me, it felt like a, kind of a metaphor for psychotherapy, um, and the you know the the gross out scene where he rips the woman's face off and, and wears it uh, is like the most literal version of taking someone's identity or to say it another way, putting yourself in their shoes to understand them better. And for psychiatrists, when they go too far with something like that, it's something called transference, where they're connecting with what the patient's talking about on too personal a level to be objective and actually be helping them. They're they're getting sucked into their problems and becoming personally attached instead of professionally attached, if that makes sense. Uh, silence always means consent, guys. On a on a podcast, so, it's true. Yes. Uh, <laughs> have it, has anyone seen um, the series Homecoming on Amazon Prime with Julia Roberts? Oh, I started yes. it. Yeah, I start. I sw- I saw the first season. Yeah, well, I listened to some of the po- original podcasts too. Uh, Hannah and I saw the first two and a half episodes at TIFF. Uh, they premiered the first three episodes before it was out on Amazon at TIFF 2019. Um, and uh, we had another movie to go to. So we didn't realize they were going to show three episodes. We thought it was going to be only one or two. Um, so we ducked out as the third one was starting. But uh, I really liked it. And I think that also has kind of a similar concept behind it. But instead of DID or multiple personalities, it's about uh, trying to medically solve PTSD to get soldiers back on the battlefield faster. So, yeah, it's a pretty solid show from what I watched. I never watched mm-hmm. past the first season, but the first season was really good. Yeah. yeah, me too. I heard second season wasn't as good, so I didn't really pick up with it. Yeah. But uh yeah, Hannah and I enjoyed it and I ended up watching the rest of season 1 when it when it came out. I think it was out by the time we we got back from our trip even, so Amazon was just sort of making a sneak preview of their their new series, uh, an event at TIFF, which gave them an excuse to have the director. And I think Julia Roberts was there for one of the screenings, but that wasn't one of the ones we got tickets to because that was the year I screwed up and didn't get any VIP package tickets, which are the ones, TIFF calls them gala events, which is when the filmmakers and the actors and crew 
are there for Q and A's and stuff afterwards. Um, it also reminded me of another movie I saw at TIFF that I keep talking about and uh, just refuses to come out in any format in the United States, which is uh, Instinct with Carice Van Houten, um, which is about a therapist who works in a prison uh, and is helping men deal with uh violence and addictions and she sort of crosses that transference line and starts having romantic feelings for a very charismatic but extremely dangerous inmate in her care um and i won't is say it, more than that because i'm really hoping to be able to isn't share that, that just, movie with you someday isn't that just oz <laughs> yeah i'm yeah okay <laughs> but it's it's danish oz and it well, was written so in, that's better it was written and directed by a woman and focuses on the therapist rather than you know the the culture of a prison oz is more of an orange is the new black ensemble kind of story fair that's fair so uh, what the hell, Nathan? Why did we watch Possessor? I don't yeah. know. I didn't pick it. <laughs> yeah, Nathan. <laughs> Jeez, Nathan. So, so Aaron. <laughs> see, my problem is when I when I'm watching people in the gallery, which is I already have the gallery on, so I can see everybody's face at once. Um, I I tend to start talking, and then if I make like virtual eye contact with someone i say their name instead so i was looking at nathan and saying what the hell trying to say trying to talk to aaron so it's just my charisma oozing sorry aaron why did we watch possessor what the hell man man you know i am you've known me a long time dale i'm a massive horror fan i I absolutely love horror movies with all of my being. But one thing, one thing I have not ever been able to get on board with is gore for the sake of gore. Mm. I don't I don't like it. So when people told me a couple years ago that well actually a year ago um that Cronenberg the king of body horror had a son that was coming out with this new movie and it was so good. They were like, it got rave reviews. I took it with a grain of salt, man. Like, and, but I eventually turned up to watch it and I absolutely loved it. Just start to finish. It was so very good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I can actually answer a couple of the questions that y'all had. Please do. Um, uh, Alicia, you mentioned that why did he kill the daughter while she was limping away? She yeah. was at, uh, it's it's kind of like a blink and you'll miss it moment, but she's actually part of the contract. Uh, he, oh, I did like, miss she, it. She, okay. ha- she has to kill the parent and the daughter because if he, okay. she kills just the parent, the daughter takes over. So for it to skip that, they have to okay. kill the daughter. Um, Thank you. Also, the movie is very gory, especially in the part where they're uh, taking a fire poker to Sean Bean. Bless his heart. <laughs> Um, <laughs> there's a there's a, a method to it because this movie has one of the most insane opening sequences I've ever seen. It's just it it's very it's very calm and then all of a sudden this lady just brutalizes this guy. And you have no idea what is happening. And that's how mm-hmm. the movie starts. And but if you if you pay attention, if you pay attention, that scene, you'll notice she goes overboard with the stabbing. 
So at yeah. the very at at the very end of the movie, when the the blur the line between who is in control of this body has been blurred. Mm. Her husband, the lady that took over the body, um, is caught in the crosshairs. And all of a sudden, the body just goes haywire and starts brutalizing the husband with a meat cleaver. And if you, rem- if you remember that scene you realize that it's the wife that is in control of the body when she's killing the husband, which makes it that much deeper. Mm-hmm. And it is, it, it is such a mind trip. This, this movie, from the, from the time that she steps in to the guy's brain and you just feel her, like, easing into the transition and and trying to gain footholds to you know something is wrong but she won't admit it mm-hmm. um to to the to the scenes with uh Jennifer Jason Lee who is such an underrated actress um gosh she is just a ball breaker in this movie isn't she uh she <laughs> She is just hardcore as hardcore. I mean, not gets. personally, but yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, she, like the the scenes between them, how the, how they're talking, when when she's in this guy's body and she's using this guy's body to talk back to home base, and it's just nonchalant, like yeah, I have control of the body. I'm probably gonna kill him tomorrow. During this time, it's fine. Everything's fine. He's a more effective version of uh, the Scarlett Johansson character in Under the Skin. Yeah. <laughs> and and then the, the last 20 minutes of this movie, how everything has been... There, there's been things happening. You know, you've had assassinations throughout. But it's, it has been almost a slow burn as to who's in control who mm-hmm. did who did what what's gonna happen yeah and then all of a sudden the last 20 minutes is just balls to the wall like oh oh my god everybody's gonna die and you have no idea who's gonna be standing if anyone at the end of this film it it made me it scared me it it made me like worried about everything all at once like <laughs> it, it killed my anxiety a hundred percent like i I was an emotional wreck uh, <laughs> this this movie just hit everything it needed to to make it such a memorable horror film mm-hmm. And this is this was my favorite horror film of 2020, and it's only the third time I've been able to watch it start to finish because it it messes with my anxiety that much. Yeah, I'm really glad you shared it with us because it's not one I would have sought out for myself. Um. You know, the the marketing material, the posters, the synopsis, all of that stuff uh, didn't grab me. But, uh, I, you know, it's one of those where I happen to fit in a niche that enjoys this kind of movie. I just don't always know that it is this kind of movie until I see it. So I appreciate you pulling that out. Did you watch any, uh, like, interviews with the director or... Anything like that? Do you own uh, a copy of the movie? I do own a copy of the movie. I don't know about the the special features on it, but I have watched a couple interviews with Cronenberg about uh, Brandon Cronenberg about it. Um, he <laughs> everybody asks him if he left Sean Bean 
uh, alive <laughs> on purpose because <laughs> of the Sean Bean death curse. And and he says Noah is just a character uh, written that way. But he talks about how important the characters are to the story. Like, the story wouldn't exist without the depth of the characters. And that is so very important. Like, uh, I, I can't think of anything else I've seen her in. But yeah. Andrea Riseborough? Mm-hmm. Man, in this movie, she is something else. Like she's she's detached, but she's attached. She's sane, but she's insane. And like you never know what you're gonna get when she's on screen. Yeah. Are any of you guys Dario Argento fans? I know of him. I haven't had a chance to actually dig into his stuff. Okay. So you haven't seen like his Suspiria or anything like that? I've seen the newer Suspiria. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a shot for shot, so it's pretty good. Yeah. There's a... Uh, apparently when they were in pre-production, um, one of the movies they used for reference was Dario Argento's opera, which came out in 1987. Um, well after the whole Jalo thing had kind of come and gone. So um, I haven't seen that one, but I think that would be an interesting one to look at and see what the similarities are. Um, and then just kind of the sci-fi thing uh, also reminded me a bit of uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind um, or... Uh, what's that uh, that that Paul Rudd movie where he goes in for a procedure to make himself happier and they clone him and forget to kill the unhappy version? Uh, gosh. I don't know if you guys um, have seen any of that either, but it, familiar I, with it. I have. I, I didn't have. care for it much, but Hannah really liked it. Is it- he, ba- he like splits into two personas and the unhappy yeah. one is jealous of the happy one's relationships with his wife and friends. And mm-hmm. Was it called hey. Ant-Man 2, Ant-Man and the Wasp? <laughs> no, it's uh, Electric Boogaloo. Electric yeah, Boogaloo. Obviously Electric Boogaloo. I can't remember for the it's life okay. of me what it's called. People, people listening have already either looked it up or don't care. So we or screamed can, it, screamed it at the podcast because yes. it's their favorite movie. We can, we can absolutely move on. Um, any other movies that this brought to mind for anybody? It's called Living with Yourself. Living with Yourself. Oh yeah. Thank you, that Aaron. Was, sorry, sorry. That was going to kill me. <laughs> um strange days maybe a little bit oh yeah i can uh, see that oh really, really like which is which is a way less gory but also very intense and violent movie but in a great finds and tom sizemore Mwah. so yeah, good it's a great movie it's one of those things that i think has completely fallen off most people's most people's radar but it's a great movie yeah it's so it's it's Future not pick. on it, it's not on any streaming services. Well, that's it hasn't. Too bad. It hasn't yeah. been for the last like six, seven years. I don't huh. know why. I don't know if there's some so- sort of rights issue. It's or a what, licensing but it's thing. Not, yeah, probably. Um. Go. No, I was just saying that would be a good pick for somebody in the future. But if we can't find it anywhere, then that then it won't be. <laughs> um. It it reminds me of a good movie that I watched way back when. Um, well, I guess good should uh, be a relative term that also has <laughs> Jennifer Jason Lee in it. Uh, Existence by David Cronenberg. Okay. Ah. Um, very, very similar. Ooh, Johnny Mnemonic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Johnny Mnemonic. Not that it's good, but Johnny Mnemonic. 
another mind transference, uh, the shaggy dog. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a horrible Freaky Friday. <laughs> Freaky Friday. <laughs> there's a horrible movie about a a an, a guy similar to Sean Bean's character, uh, whose body is failing. And so he transfers his mind into an AI, but the AI has more control of what it does than he does. Like he tries to transfer his consciousness in there, but there's like bugs and it makes everything terrible. It's a terrible movie. It's called Transcendence with Johnny with, Depp. Uh, Johnny Depp. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think I've um, seen it. There, there was one not terribly <laughs> long ago about a paraplegic. <coughs> or no no he's a quadriplegic he gets some sort of injection in the spine and mm-hmm. some AI takes over his body and I can't remember the name of it now yeah <sighs> but it, it's it's really good and very similar in tone cool well coming, Nathan, coming soon to a google search near you yes right <laughs> Nathan, it's uh, your turn to suggest a movie. What would you like for us to watch next? I was almost inspired just now to nominate that darn cat, but I'm not going to do it. Um, it might need that kind of lovely, loving fluffiness after this 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 personal pick. But uh, instead, I'm going to go dark too, but it's not going to be quite so dark. Uh, I'm going to pick La Note, which is a 1961 movie by Angel... Uh, Langelo, why is it wrapping around on there? Angelo Antonioni. Okay, sorry. The print was too close to the edge of the DVD. So, um, anyways, the IMDb description of this movie is pretty much what the movie is a day in the life of an unfaithful married couple and their steadily deteriorating relationship. Ah, it's great. What's the, what's the over under on Nathan choosing a picture that's in color? <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm just giving you shit. Gene What's Delman. the over <laughs> under on Aaron choosing a Kate Winslet Australian movie? Uh-oh. Uh oh, that's a 50 50. You never know. Like, dressmaker I mean, was good. You shut your mouth. I did pick eating Raul, remember? <laughs> I, I uh, liked eating Raul. Raul. I'm saying that, it was in was color. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, thanks, everybody. Uh, Thanks for the discussion on Possessor. Uh, Go check that out if you haven't yet. And we'll see you on the next Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast.